I, you know, I got your name and I, and, and your contact information. And I was really interested to hear some of the things that you've been doing. Um, and, and that you've done. And um, again, we're talking with uh, Jen Thompson. Uh, you're an ultra runner and you've done some really incredible things. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what you've done. You know, I've worked on this book about the psychology and neuroscience of, of thrill seekers. And you know, a lot of people, you know, and what, what I wanna think, one of the things I'm hoping to do with this uh, project is to sort of dispel some of the myths of what people think about sort of adventure sports um, and what people get out of them and you know who does those kinds of things um, and and also what people get from them um, and so um, and also what people sort of consider to be sort of adventure kinds of sports I know one of the things that you do are um, sort of ultra marathons is that what, what you would call them right yep that's correct. Any, so, any running distance that's further than, than 26.2 miles is considered an ultra. Um, and for me, that's been upwards to 151 miles. 151 miles. Um, wow. So, so when did you first start getting into, um, into those kinds of, um, and actually, are there any other kinds of sports that you're involved in besides that? Um, no, I've dabbled a little bit in some ultra swimming distances, um, more just to satisfy sort of the the bug inside of me and um, and uh, see again what I'm capable of, which is a lot of the drive behind why I do what I do. But largely, it's been in the um, in the running realm. Yeah, yeah. That and I when, participated in. And when did you first start doing that? So I was a road marathoner first, um, which I started doing about 16 years ago. And then um, in 2012, I sort of went to an event that should have just been a shorter distance for me. It was just going to be a 13 miler. And um, a friend of mine suggested that I upped my registration to the 50K. And just a few months before, I had already started to feel the need inside of myself for more than just um, regular racing. And I had run an unsupported ultra marathon by myself, just up Mount Lemon, just because I felt like it. It was a, um, a 30 mile run in Tucson, um, as it sounds to the top of Mount Lemon, which is like a 9,000 foot peak there. And so I, there was something already happening within me, I guess, before I even did the first official race. But 2012 was the first time I, I put a race bib on for an ultra marathon. Uh, and that was a 50 K distance. And um, it was actually the people at the race, the experience that was so transformative for me because mm -hmm. I felt like I was among people that I could relate to. And so I knew that that was it for me, that I was going to be doing that for, well, and still am. So. And, and, what, what, and what was it about them that, that, um, that made you think, oh, I can, these are my people? <laughs> Um, well, some of it's going to sound a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I can remember this was a night race in the middle of the night and I was walking, which is not something you ever do in a regular road marathon, but in an ultra, it definitely happens and not feeling well. And I came across somebody that was just sick and puking on their shoes and, you know, continuing on. And it was sort of this tribe of zombies in the middle of the night of people who were definitely out there for other reasons than just to run this sort of, you know, in the road marathon world, it's like this precise distance and the perfect conditions and very precise, you know, splits that you're looking for in a very measured um, sport. And this felt like, you know, moving into a realm of like a silent 
unspoken piece of all of us are out here running towards and away from really different things than just our split times and, Mm. you know, how quickly we finish. Um, There was definitely a mutual suffering, I guess, is the underlying thread there that, um, that spoke to me, that shared suffering that I, I really was jazzed by. Yeah, and and so what is it like? What what is in the midst of that? You know, it, so a lot of people when they talk to me and they say, well, well you know, why, you know, th- when they think about adventure sports, when they think about sensation seeking and thrill seeking, they say, oh, it's jumping off cliffs and skydiving. But part of this whole idea is that I want people to think about is that experiences can be found in many different things and they can be found outside of your body, but they can also be found within yourself as well. And so part of the experience that you're seeking is experiences that you generate from doing things that you didn't think that you could do. And it sounds like these ultra marathons are sort of pushing that experience within yourself. And it sounds like that's what a little bit of what you're talking about. Right, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I've I have written this down in several of my own blogs, and I said it in an interview I did not too long ago about the concept that the line is not where you think it is, and it just really isn't. It just absolutely isn't. And so the thrill seeking for me is rediscovering that and then redrawing it again because I don't know. There's something about that that I think is quite remarkable. Um, I mean, I work in medicine. I'm a hospice nurse. I encounter death and dying all the time. And I think there's this like misnomer out there that people think that those of us that are out doing this stuff, like it gets said to me, like, are you trying to kill yourself? Why do you do this to your body? Or why do you do this? And it's actually couldn't be further from the truth. Like none of us are actively out there trying to kill ourselves. But I think, I bet you that the vast majority of us are out there trying really hard to make sure that we feel alive. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of always been ironic to me that people make those remarks. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine, this idea of like, you're just trying, what do you need to try to kill yourself? You're out there just trying to kill yourself. And it's, it's just the exact opposite. That's, that's the case. It's, you know, um, I don't know. I don't want to die not knowing that I wasn't trying really hard to figure out where that line was, step over it and cross it again. I just don't. And, and t- take me back to the first time when you were, you know, in doing an ultra marathon and, and you were having an experience that you thought to yourself, I've never felt this before. I mean, having an experience that I hadn't felt before and it pushed you to that thing that made you say, I need to figure out what this feeling is. This is making me feel alive. Yeah, I think it's the alone time in these long distance events where there's nobody else. It's like this, those pictures or images you see of a tiny human standing on a giant earth. It's like that because you, there's not, you know, in when you're out in a lot of sports, there's people with cowbells and aligning the streets and cheering and ultra marathon is not like that at all. You're very much alone. And sometimes for upwards of four or five or six hours, you might not see another soul out in the mountains on that stretch of the race. And so there is this profound feeling of how small you are, but at the same time, how self-powered you are, because mm-hmm. If you want to finish, you'll have to keep going. And there's not anyone standing there to tell you, you're amazing. You've got this. 
you know, you really are going to have to scrape all the way to the surface of you. And in that, there's a lot of like darkness and demons and sometimes hallucinations, especially in hundred mile races, Mm. you know, all of the weak spots are going to come right up to the surface and you have to talk yourself out of them and talk yourself through them. And I mean, there's just something very extraordinarily organic and earth binding for me in that experience that I need that and I live for that. And that is the ultimate thrill of like tiny little me and nobody else. And too bad, so sad, sister. If you want to get to the finish line, I guess you'll have to figure it out and keep going. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And, and one of the things I feel like I've, I've discovered with people that, um, and, and, you, and you can sense this in other people that, that, you know, who else would be out in the middle of the night pushing themselves towards agony than right. other people that, that have that ability to see that in themselves. Um, but it has to really echo over other than during the race. So does it affect what happens when you're not racing? Does it, does it change who you are when you're not racing? I feel like, yes, um, it absolutely does. I mean, I um, myself in the last couple of years have had some pretty significant um, health issues. I had a near-death experience with a rattlesnake bite and just almost died right on the side of the trail um, five years ago. And uh, definitely the recovery piece of that, you know, the the ability, I guess, to, to understand that whatever that moment is, which, you know, maybe for some thrill seekers, it's not the moment they're doing the exciting thrill, but it's the work leading up to it. For those of us in ultra, it's, it's those hard parts. Like that's just a blink. It's just a page in a chapter. It's just a moment. And, you know, like I said before, I guess it just, it also kind of transcends into that idea of like the line's not where you think that it is. And so you just have to get through this hard page or chapter or whatever it is and, you know, keep moving forward. And you, and you actually can because, who else would go sign up for these things over and over again, right? Because mm. you are going to be on your hands and knees puking on your shoes at some point in a hundred mile race, the vast majority of us, but we all, you know, are going to sign up again. And, the, and a lot of us are going to finish that race still. Yeah. So yeah, take, um, take it us, does communicate in regular life a lot. Yeah. Take us back there. If you feel comfortable, I've never actually even seen a rattlesnake, much less been bitten by one. Um, how did you know that you, I mean, you, you ha- I mean, I guess, you know, you, you were bitten because it, must hurt right yeah yep this was a mountain biker on the same trail as me and she was coming the opposite direction she clipped the snake with her wheel and she threw the snake into my leg so it oh my god bit me once and then its fang got stuck on my leg and um and kind of drug a second envenomation so i had two envenomations and you know i was running so i the venom was circulated in a matter of seconds and um less than 10 minutes and i was in full-blown shock and Wow. Uh, severe pain in the leg. And then uh, this was a, a toxin, hematoxic and neurotoxic, meaning two bo- parts of my body were impacted by it. And, and you're a nurse, so you of, know. You yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew exactly all of what was happening. Like, oh, this is great. You're definitely in shock. And that's the feeling of your blood pressure plummeting and all of those, um, all those components. So it was right up against the um, the other side for sure. I mean, we call, I called my parents and said goodbye to them uh, on the trail because I really was pretty sure I wasn't going to make it with the, there was a woman that stayed with me until the medics arrived. But um, yeah, it was 
right up against that. I just ran that trail actually uh, last weekend, as a matter of fact. And um, so, yeah, wild. So is there something about your personality that you feel that helped you through that experience? Um, there is something about my personality that I guess, um, I mean, it's part, I hate the word fighter because in hospice, we hate that because it makes it sound like patients that are not going to survive have stopped fighting and that's yeah. just not the case, um, yeah. at all. But, you know, there is, there's a part of me that I guess in my personality feels like I'm here to live and until mm-hmm. I'm not living anymore, then that's what I'm here to do. And so, um, I can remember in the snake bite instance, getting to the emergency room and just hearing that ER doc kind of in my face saying, I'm not going to let you die. And it was like, okay, well, game on then. Right. Um, and that's a huge example of smaller scale in ultra where we're out there seeking that feeling of like, give me a shot and I'm going to claw at it, whatever it is. Yeah. Just tell me, tell me what to do and I'm, I'm in for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because the experience itself is what is where you get the the gifts from. I'm sure if I was to sit down and talk to some other kind of thrill seeker who jumps off of buildings or, you know, does all this whatever, you know, crazy stuff where I think it sounds insane. The whole getting ready for it is probably what they would say is the transformative piece, right? Like that's, a, you know, the event itself is just one fragment and it's all of what led up to it that is so much more you know, significant. I said that to somebody this summer, I had like one month of, I don't know, 79 or some huge amount of hours of solo training and over 70,000 feet of climbing in that month. And I was like, even if I don't get to go to the race I was training for like this part, that piece was totally worth it. All of what self-discovery and like being totally just connected to the earth that took place in that training mode, Mm. you know? even if I didn't get the ultimate, I mean, yeah, I want the race. I wanted to cross that finish line for sure. That's the ultimate thrill. Um, but the work getting there is a big piece of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Now you also have a really hard job, um, as a hospice nurse. Um, do you feel like it helps you in that, in that job as well? Yeah, I think it's kind of both ways. I think the job I started um, working, I was a nurse, I've been a nurse for almost 25 years, but I started in hospice right around the same time, just before I became an ultra runner. And I feel like there was some connection there with, um, once I started driving around to people's homes and realizing what was going on inside of these closed doors, like, oh my gosh, there's this 45 year old woman in this house. She's dying. Her husband's taking care of her. They have two kids. Like no one knows this, right? It was like this weird experience of driving down the road and knowing like what's behind the curtain of Oz that made me look, start looking at life really, really, really differently. Um, because it's almost like sometimes you want to just walk in a Starbucks and shake everybody. Right. And be like, but, but can I tell you what's going on? Like two blocks away right now? Like, mm-hmm. can I just tell you what's happening in real life right now? And that's, you know, I've got 30 of those patients right now that fall into that same category. So it just, yeah, they, it goes both ways. Like it just, I don't know, like how can you not be here to live? Yeah. And you know that life is so short and so fragile and it's just a, it's just a blank. Yeah. And, and what would you want people to know, like, you know, if, if they were listening to this podcast, um, 
you, you have their ear right now, like what would you want them to try or to do or to think or to, you know, if, if you, if you're listening right now? I mean, I feel, I think I would want them to know that it seems like we live in a society where people want these amazing experiences or transformative moments to happen to them. And it doesn't work that way. It, you have to, you really do have to be willing to take your shoes off and just walk out into the grass and hold your arms out and figure out, look for, for where it is that you're going to go to feel alive. I mean, it just seems like everybody wants to order up a serving of, I want to feel alive and I want these magical moments. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to drive my car to this picturesque place and I'm going to have one of those moments there, but it doesn't work like that. I, w I would want people to know that you, you got to go and look for those and it's probably going to leave a mark along the way. Yeah. But the marks will be, the whole journey will be worth it, whatever, on some small scale or some big scale. That might mean somebody just, you know, going out and hiking something that day that they didn't think that they could. It's just, yeah, it's not that people can't. It's just that they want to order it up and it doesn't work that way. And then they're disappointed. Yeah. You have to go get it, whatever it is. And you can, you absolutely can. Absolutely and when did, can. and what, let's take, uh, take me back to when did you, when did you realize it was the running for you? Like, how did you discover um, that, you know, because I think for a lot of people, it's sort of figuring it out. Like, well, you know, what is it for them that's going to lead to that sense of awe, that sense of that, that amazing discovery? Um, they, they're not sure where to even begin for them. How did you know that running brought it that for you? I mean, I knew it because it became about whatever the experience or the calling was. I got quiet, I guess, within myself and, mm. and started to do a lot more listening as opposed to, you know, they're seeking and they're seekers. I mean, everybody's seeking. That's what I was just saying a minute ago about I, I want to go order up my mm -hmm. serving of like excitement for the day or my per perfect picture that I can post on Instagram. But the seekers are just, out there really like open, like really truly open to just letting those experiences come to you. And for me, the running piece, I knew it because it, it, I had a coach that fired me and he fired me because I couldn't, I wouldn't sit still with the prescribed today's 10 miles you need to run or today's this zone that you need to run in. And I just wanted to go out because the sunset looked that amazing or you know, whatever it was that I wanted to chase for that day. And I just, that's what I meant about this summer's training. Like, you know, you've arrived when whatever the thing is that you want to tell the whole world you did, like, Ooh, I finished this hundred miler. Here's my belt buckle. Like, but what if, <laughs> what if you couldn't go? Or what if you couldn't tell anybody? What if yeah, you couldn't take yeah. a picture of any of it and share it with anybody? Would you still go? Would you still want to be in that moment? And that's how I knew because this is, a, it's a lifestyle now. And it's a lifestyle about, you know, me and Mother Earth just being connected to each other. Like she gives me what I need, I guess, and um, and doesn't judge along the way. So you kind of know it when it's not about, I went to the gym and I, you know, shared my burpees workout on my Instagram with all these <laughs> other folks. Like it's got, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's got to be, it's got to be that you're, you're quite a little quieter and a little more listening for what, what that stuff is, but if it's just to order up your serving of I'm a badass for the week, probably not. It's, it's probably not, not there. Yeah.
And so, and how do you help those people that, as a hospice nurse, you know, that, that they may have limitations um, in terms of what they can do? How do you help them um, find that sense of awe or thrill um, if they have the limitations? Like, what, what, like what, 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 what would you advise for them? I mean, for, for hospice patients, it's sort of this delicate balance because there's usually going to have to be some, you know, Western medicine involved in getting people's symptoms under control in order to help them maybe be able to experience some of these things that they think they can't. But in large part, a lot of times the limitations were put on them by, by the conventional world. Like, well, you have cancer and you're very sick. And the doctor said you're going to die in six months or less. So therefore you must not be able to, you know, do X, Y, or Z. And rarely is that actually the case. It's more that they need the empowerment, which, Mm. yeah, is I think actually true for lots of folks, not even just the sick ones that, um, that they just need the empowerment to realize, you know, like the world of thrill seeking and the world of extremists, um, or, you know, rim riders or whatever you want to call all of us is not, it's not that we're so different or so special. It's just that we're, we are, and someone else isn't. And I mean, I guess that's the only reason why I tend to share as much as I do in the social media realm, because I've always said to people like, I'm just a regular gen. There's nothing special here except that I am and you're not. So go do it, whatever it is. And other for your line. Yeah. And are there other feel like, I mean, I know that, I mean, there are other myths that you feel like you want to make sure that people, you know, that, that are get, that get busted about like things that you feel kind of annoying that you get either people assume about you or, or think about you that you feel that aren't really true at all. (laughs) Cause I feel like there are a lot of those kinds of things. Yeah, there are a lot. And, and definitely that's true. Um, in the ultra running world, I mean, like I said, this idea that we're trying to kill ourselves or destroy our bodies, which is total hogwash. Like the marathon world, people are done at the age of 30 at best. And I'm out there running ultra marathons with people that are in their sixties. So Mm. You know, it's not, these people are not destroying their bodies. And I think there's this idea that everybody's running away. Mm. Um, And that's not true. I mean, running serves as a way to run away sometimes if I've had a rough week or, you know, hospice is really heavy or whatever it is, but it's not always running away. Sometimes it's running towards and sometimes it's just being quiet and still like with the earth. Yeah. 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 Exactly. There's this huge idea that, oh, you guys are all running, you know, these incredibly ridiculous distances because you're just running away every day. And it's like, not really. Um, That's not always true. I would say that that's sometimes true, but, you know, it's not always true or that it's our addiction. Like, well, you're just replacing one addiction with another. And if it wasn't running, you'd be addicted to something else. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, I'm not so sure that that's totally true. I mean, yes, it does feed my soul and it feeds a lot of needs and it does give me endorphins. And yes, I'm reliant on those endorphins. And yes, I'm a little grumpy when I don't get them, but I don't know if I like the idea that, you know, it's an addiction because there's implications there that somehow we can't control ourselves. And if we're all training to get to a start line with a goal of a finish line, that doesn't feel like out of control addiction behavior to me. Um, you know, but that's, that's definitely out there. It's a big time label that we all get that this is, we're just addicts and this is just not a drug. It's just our drug. 
If you have something that you know that you love that brings you a sense of awe, that feels wonderful and beautiful to you, and someone says you can't do it, of course that would make you grumpy. <laughs> right. right, exactly. But, you know, again, in the realm of the addiction being, I have four children. I own and operate a hospice. Like, I'm not, you know, choosing to go into to the mountains to run and not show up at work or not feed my children. I mean, those are those are negative you know, side effects of someone who might have an addiction and would choose that addiction over other responsibilities. And that's, that's one of the things I love about ultra when I'm out there running this just happened at the race I just did is it is a lot of regular folks doing the best. I mean, the people winning are obviously that's, that's their sport and they train, you know, all year long and that's their professionals. That's all they do. But the vast majority of us have lives and families and uh, whatever the other, you know, responsibilities are. And that's like the magic to me because those folks finding the line and stepping over it and re-challenging themselves, like that's, that's what I want to say to the world going back to your other question. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you can, you really can. Yeah, you just yeah. think you can, but you, you actually really, really can. Um, you know, and maybe it's not 151 miles. I'm not saying everybody wants to go to the same extremes as everyone else, but somewhere in the middle there is being alive. Yeah. Now, if someone wanted to get started in, in that field and ultra running, what, what, what would you suggest? Like if someone was listening and they thought, you know, I think this, this is kind of, this sounds, I, 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 this could be me. Like what, what, what would you suggest the, how, how, how should they get started? Just little building blocks. And I would say, you know, you, you don't start being an ultra uh, ultra runner by running 50 kilometers. You start by running three kilometers um, and then getting connected to like, you know, there's, we have some group runs here locally in Boulder where that are for all levels, people who don't hardly know how to run at all, all the way to professionals and being around those people, I think helps you to kind of feel like that sense I was talking about of, you know, is this my tribe? Are these um, are these people that I can, you know, relate to because all of us are pretty isolated individuals. I will say, um, ultra runners are, are loners, but man, we do a good job of making sure that everybody feels included, um, in spite of that, uh, which, you know, I think is, is one of the really positives about the sport, but like so many things, you, you know, you start small and, and build your base. That's what you do. You start small and, and set your eye on a target and say, this is crazy, but I'm going to sign up for this half marathon in 12 weeks. And that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And then find a buddy who wants to help you, you know, get there and, um, you know, know that the journey won't be super easy. I mean, running is a difficult journey. We don't all feel like a million bucks every day. We don't, we don't all glide across the trails, you know, every day we have, garbage runs and bad days and days where we don't even want to get out of bed. Like I said, we're all regular people, but we, but we definitely understand the key, I guess, to the amount of work that you have to put in to have those amazing transcendent experiences that I'm not willing to give up. I'm yeah. not willing to give those up. I'll work yeah. hard for them because they're worth it. Anything coming up, really anything coming up soon that you're looking forward to? Um, I have a race called the Bear 100 that is on September 27th, um, and I'm really looking forward to that because 100 milers are a unique, you know, many of the other distances. I just had 100K, which was really extremely difficult, mostly all above 10,000 feet, a lot of 
not a lot of oxygen at that race, but, um, but hundred milers are much more this journey, right? Like you can't control the variables when you're running 24 to, you know, 30 hour, um, time frame. So it's, it's like, it's not even like looking forward to a race. It's like looking forward to this journey. Yeah. Um, this is up in Utah and the mountains up there and it should be, should be really spectacular. And so I always look forward to that because you cannot spend 24 to 30 hours with yourself running on a trail and not learn something about yourself along the way. It's just not possible. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And if, they, if people want to find you on social media, where would they, where would they look? Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, a gazelle 74. So gazelle 74 with an A in front of it. Great, um, great. And that's, that's kind of my, my home base. Twitter is just an accident that feeds over <laughs> for other things, but. <laughs> Wonderful. Anything else you'd like for people to know before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. Just like I said, that we're all just regular. We're all just regular gens. Thank you so much. You've been so helpful. And, you know, I've, I've, I've always been really amazed by, you know, when people think about people who do um, adventure sports, they just think that they just, you know, throw themselves into these things. They don't always really consider all the training and how really amazingly introspective people are when they, when they do these kinds of things. And so I really appreciate you getting, you letting us get a peek into, um, you know, your, your, you know, personal life and your motivations behind this because i really think that's that's what's amazing by you know this is what's gotten me sort of fascinated um with with this and i think that's very different than how people um are, are, are thinking about people that who do these adventure sports so thank you so much for, for sharing that with us yeah awesome i appreciate the conversation i look forward to to hearing about it um all of who you've chatted with great thanks so much